Well, we're beginning our Easter focus. We're looking at the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ as we move towards Easter. In 2009, our oldest daughter, Rebecca, was doing some research in Cambodia for Rahab Ministries. And that's a ministry that um, sets prostitutes free from slavery. And she was looking at the different groups that were working amongst these women and what was the most effective means of getting them out of that business. But while she was over there, she got very sick. She had a, an extra vein or artery in her leg that shouldn't have been there, and it was damaged in the flight over. But then she contracted viral malaria and dinghy fever. And so she was in hospital, and her temperature was high, and they were really concerned about her life. And so she got medevaced back to New Zealand. And she was in Tauranga Hospital, and no one really knew what was wrong with her. And so she was put in isolation. And when Helen and I visited her, we had to dress up in gowns and masks and things over our footwear before we could be admitted to this room to see her. In Bible times, there were strict measures to protect people from infectious diseases. I want to read about some of them from Numbers chapter 5, verses 1 to 4. It says, The Lord said to Moses, Command the Israelites to send away from the camp anyone who has an infectious skin disease or a discharge of any kind, or who is ceremonially unclean because of a dead body. Send away male and female alike. Send them outside the camp so they will not infect or defile the camp where I dwell amongst them. And also in Leviticus chapter 13, verses 45 and 46, the person with such an infectious disease must wear torn clothes, let his hair be unkempt, cover the lower part of his face, and cry out, unclean, unclean, as long as, as he has the infection, he remains unclean. He must live alone. He must live outside of the camp or the village. So we, we can see that in those days, sick people became outcasts of society. They didn't have hospitals and antibiotics like we have here. And so if someone had a contagious disease, it could be caught by the whole village and they had to protect the people. At the start of Jesus' ministry, he quoted from Psalm 61 and said in Luke chapter 4, verses 18 to 19, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus had a particular concern for the poor 
the oppressed, the needy, and the sick. These were often those people that were sent outside of the village. When John the Baptist was in prison, he heard about what Jesus was doing, and he sent his disciples to ask Jesus a question. And in Matthew 11, verses 3 to 6, the question was, are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you see and hear. The blind receive sight. The lame can walk. Those who have leprosy are cured. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is preached to the poor. Psalm 34 verse 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. Psalm 46 verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in times of trouble. Now I want to tell you a story about a leper in Mark chapter 1, verses 40 to 42. It says, a man with leprosy came to Jesus and, be and begged on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing. Be clean. Be healed, he said. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was cured. Now, leprosy in those days was a terminal illness. Lepers were kept outside of the camp. And they had to wear something over their mouths so that their breath wouldn't infect other people. They were expected to stand downwind of people and cry out, unclean, unclean, if anyone came near them. Lepers could walk around outside the camp where all the rubbish and the sewerage was dumped. And that was also the place where the dead bodies and animal carcasses were disposed of. A leper could only be readmitted to the town or the camp if he was completely healed. And so the leper in our story broke all the rules. He'd heard about Jesus. He saw Jesus as his only hope, and so he came rushing toward Jesus. He had to rush, because if anyone had seen him, They'd have had him removed. He ran to Jesus and he fell down and worshipped Jesus. He said, Jesus, if you want to, you can heal me. And Jesus was moved with compassion. He understood this man's pain and rejection and how difficult it must have been to be ostracized and separated from his family, from his community. And so Jesus responded and said, yes, I want to make you clean. And Jesus reached out and touched this contagious, diseased man. And instantly, the leprosy left him. That's what compassion does. 
That's what Jesus can still do through us and in us today. But the healing of this leper indicates to us what the mission of Jesus is all about. Jesus always welcomes the outsider. He takes the outsider by the hand and leads them rejoicing back into the city, into God's city. This leper was healed from his affliction and he was able to go to the priest and be declared clean. Then he could go to the temple and offer a sacrifice to the Lord. But this event had a key impact on Jesus' ministry. Let's read on from verses 43 and 45. Jesus sent the leper away with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone. But go, show yourself to the priest and offer sacrifices to Moses that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. But instead, he went out and began to tell everyone, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in the lonely places, yet all the people came to him from everywhere. Now, when Jesus started his ministry, he visited all the villages of Galilee, and he went and preached in the synagogues. But this healing changed the nature of Jesus' ministry, because Jesus touched the leper. And if you touched an infected person, you became unclean. And so Jesus told this man not to tell anyone about what had happened, but to go straight to the priest and make his offering. And then if the priest verified the healing, then Jesus would also be clean. This man that he had touched wasn't infected. He'd been healed. And so Jesus couldn't be infected either. But the man told everyone what had happened. And so now Jesus wasn't free to enter any town. He had to stay out in the villages. If Jesus had gone into the town, because of this incredible miracle, he would have been swarmed and swamped by people. People would have come from everywhere, and he would have been overwhelmed. But Jesus ended up living outside the camp, surrounded by the lepers and the sick people. Today, people's willful rebellion against God has placed them outside of God's camp. But Jesus is still able to set us free and to welcome each one of us into his kingdom. Jesus knows about the difficulties that you're experiencing. He knows about that despondent spirit that you may have. He feels the darkness, the hurt, and the pain that surrounds many of our lives. But Jesus is still reaching out to each one of us with compassion today. I want to tell you another story, and it's the parable of the banquet. It's found in Luke chapter 14, verses 16 to 18. 
Let's read it. A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all began to make excuses. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. So a very unusual thing happens in this story. God gives an invitation, but no one accepts his invitation. No one comes to this big banquet that he's holding. I mean, that's incredible. It just wouldn't happen, would it? God pays for everything. He makes it the very best, yet no one turns up. God invites people to a place of love, salvation, and eternal life. But they all say no. God offers the best possible life, and people turn down his invitation. He invites people to heaven, but they make excuses and don't accept his invitation. So the host became angry and invites the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. People on the outer, outside the camp, who didn't expect to be included and invited. They're not influential or wealthy. They don't have money for land or animals, oxen, sheep. And you know, often it's the good things in life that can keep people away from God rather than the bad things. Look at Deuteronomy 8, verses 12 and 14. It says, When you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large, and your silver and gold increase, and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud, and you will forget the Lord your God. We can be blessed. So much so that we focus on what we've got and we don't think we need God anymore. And in Mark 4 verse 19, But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. It's better to have a little and be offered the best than to allow the good things of life to keep us from God's very best. There are many people in our community who are sick, poor, and lonely. If we reach out to them in the name of Jesus, they will respond to our invitation. Max Licardo said, the sign of the saved is their love for the least. It's great that in this church we go outside of the camp and invite the poor, the lost, and the lonely to the banquet. That we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and minister to people in their time of need. My mother's with us this morning. Uh, first 
time since my induction that she's come to a service with her new husband. My dad died 11 years ago and my mum remarried a year and a half ago. And I want to tell you a story that happened when my dad was a Baptist minister in, at South Dunedin Baptist. Back in those days, open-air campaigners was a, a key way of evangelism. You had these evangelists and they had these vans and they'd go to a park or a popular place and they would pull down a door on the side of the van and it would become a stage and they would share the gospel. They would share it primarily to children and they had all sorts of Bible stories and puzzles and games that they would play with the children. Well, every day, every Sunday in summer down at uh, St. Kilda Beach, Bob McNaughton used to come with his open-air campaigners team. And our church used to support uh, the work out there. We'd go along and we'd listen to his program. But one day, a bunch of gang members arrived at the beach on their motorbikes and jackets and and, and they started hassling Bob McNaughton. And he's trying to tell this story to the children, but they can't, they, they can't hear because these guys keep on interrupting and making jokes and asking questions. So after a while, my dad said, look, if you want to ask questions like that, why don't you come to church tonight? We have a service at the South Dunedin Baptist Church on the main street. If you come along... After the service, you can ask us any question you like. Then they said, if we come, will you buy us fish and chips? <laughs> and my dad said, yes. And so a whole bunch of these guys and girls turned up at church on Sunday night. And for the next three years, we had this incredible ministry to these young men and women. After the service, they would have their own program in the youth hall, and my dad would arrange for probation officers or court judges to come and talk to these guys and answer their questions. And many of them, including a guy who had 42 convictions, gave their faith, believed in Jesus, and accepted Jesus into their hearts. And I guess that that was probably the most significant time in my dad's ministry. Now, I actually think it's really exciting what's happening in this church with regard to reaching out to people around us. On a Wednesday afternoon, there's a, a drop-in center called The Well. On a Monday night, we have a, a meal that's given to the homeless. We don't actually provide the food, but they use our premises. We've had some interesting things happen with regard to the use of this building. And this building is used almost so much now that when someone, a new user wants to come along, that it's hard to find a slot for them. On a Monday night, we have a speaker and discipleship course that's run by another church that reaches out to people that we wouldn't really have a lot to do with. But they come here, there's a women's group, there's a men's group where they're discipled. We had a very interesting event at the end of last year. 
where a woman came to our office and said, look, I want to run a P support group from your church. And when we as leaders prayed about it, we were a bit... I've got to say that in the time I've been at this church, whenever we've made decisions at eldership level, we've always been in agreement. that There hasn't been any sort of division. But we were a bit torn on this issue. And in the meantime, this woman went out, and you may have read an article in the local Taupo Times basically saying, hey, uh, this support group's going to be operating out of the Baptist church. The main reason we were concerned was we were worried about the safety of our people and we were worried about our property and that sometimes when people are under the influence of drugs, they can behave irrationally and sometimes when they are under the influence of, of drugs, they can go back to a place that they've been to before and if they're hallucinating, they can do crazy things. So in the end, we said no. And now this group is operating out of the Maori Wardens property near the AC bars, which is probably a better location. But I, I got Jackie to ring the girl that was wanting to run the group from, from here and just make sure that there was good closure, that she wasn't upset with us. So Jackie rang her up the other week and said, look, um, how's it going? Have you found somewhere else to operate? We want to help you and support you if we can. And the girl said, look, there's a brochure that we give out. Would it be possible for you to photocopy some of the brochures for us? And Jackie says, yeah, sure, we can do that. Then she says, can, how can we pay you back? Jackie said, look, you can come here and weed the garden for us. She says, great, I'll come with a couple of my friends. And it's all about building relationship with our community. And you know, it's the poor, the lost, and the lonely that are more open to Jesus and more likely to accept his invitation to the banquet. The human race, the whole human race, has lived outside of the camp since we were expelled from the Garden of Eden. But Jesus comes to us where we are, on the outside, and he invites us inside to where he is. He who was rich became poor like us so that we could share the riches of heaven. Jesus sacrificed his life so that we could enter the holy city and worship God with a repentant heart and a cleansed spirit. In closing, I want to look at Hebrews 13, verses 11 to 14. It says, The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering. But the bodies of the animals are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace that he bore. For here on earth, 
We do not have an enduring city. We're all going to die. We're all going to leave this place. But we are looking forward to a city that is yet to come. In Old Testament times, the tabernacle was at the center of the camp. And the blood of sacrificed animals was taken into the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle as a sin offering. The carcasses of animals were burned outside the camp. But Jesus, he was crucified as a criminal on Calvary's hill outside the camp with two thieves. He was despised and rejected. He was on the outer. Paul says here, let us go outside the city with him. As Christians, we also carry the disgrace that Jesus bore. The world is not a friend of Jesus, and it won't be a friend of ours. But when we go outside of the camp, we'll find it's not quite as bad as we thought. In fact, we'll find that it's wonderful, because God's Spirit is there. And we will enjoy great fellowship, sweet fellowship with others and with Jesus. We'll meet with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for a city that is yet to come. Is there room in your heart for Jesus? Have you received him? John 1, 11 and 12 says, He came unto his own, but they did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to all who believed on his name, he gave the right to be the children of God. He is our heavenly father. The God who made this planet, this world, is our father. He loves us dearly like any good father. But only a few people are prepared to go outside the camp. Only a few people are prepared to identify with Jesus and to give their lives to him. The holiest man that ever lived went outside the camp and took the punishment for my sin and for your sin, for our rebellion, so that now we may go inside to the holy city and live in peace with him forevermore. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for Jesus. Lord, give us a revelation of really what happened at Easter time. Lord, we want to be reunited with you. We know that our time on this planet is about 80 years, but we live forever in your presence. Lord, give us a heart for the lost and the lonely and the poor and the weak and the sick. Help us to invite them into that place where they can receive your love and give their hearts to you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.